welcome to the Think Factory podcast. We got one question for you. What keeps you up at night? I'm your host, Chris Santamassimo, and the uh, Think Factory podcast is, of course, powered by OGC Solutions. And I'm really excited to speak today with Frank Arostegui, right? I said it right, I hope. From um, Excellent. <laughs> well, the, the Paisans have to know how to uh, uh, pronounce each other's names. So I hope I did it justice. <laughs> so uh, Frank is with me from it, yeah. American Litho. And, you know, uh, j- just to give a quick backstory before uh, we let Frank jump in, you know, American Litho is, is a large uh, and sophisticated direct mail printer. Uh, among other things, as well as a holistic marketing company. You know, as we've said on some of our other podcast episodes, you know, I love the print business because of the fact that we've been involved in it for so long. Um, And frankly, I don't think print gets quite the respect it should. Uh, Certainly direct mail definitely doesn't. You know, we we start talking about the things we get in the mail as junk mail. But quite frankly, you know, uh, if if there was anything good that came out of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic for business, it was a a recognition about how important direct mail is. So, um, and Frank's going to talk about his experience uh, and all the all the good things about direct mail and how it links back to the digital channel. So, Frank, welcome to the podcast. Chris, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, all the things you said, I'm, I'm going to second on that. It's been a challenging couple of years, but we've learned a lot, a lot of lessons, a lot of valuable lessons as we move forward. Um, as Chris said, I'm Frank Gerstegi, Executive Vice President, Sales and Marketing with American Litho. We're located in Carroll Street, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. We've had tremendous success. We've been blessed as a company, as a team, as an individual to be in this space in the last couple of years, as difficult as some of you might uh, uh, find that to believe. Uh, but what we've seen through these challenges is tremendous opportunity. American Litho is really in the direct mail space, direct mail production space. And what I mean by that is over the course of the 10 years I've been here, we've seen phenomenal growth. 10 years ago, the company produced and mailed roughly three to five million pieces a month. Today, we're around 135 to 150 million direct mail pieces a month. So happy to say that we continue to grow, we continue to invest, and really at the end of the day, we're here to help people and partner with those companies that are looking to grow their business via acquisition loyalty and retention mailings, uh, incorporating, of course, what we're going to talk about a little bit later, integrating the other channels along with direct mail to, to really have a successful campaign. Well, you know, uh, that was a great, uh, great summary, Frank. You know, the, you know, with, with the pandemic, um, I hate to keep using the pandemic as a, you know, as a reference point, but it is what it is, right? It taught us a lot of things, as you said. But, right. Right. You know, but um, you saw such a resurgence during the pandemic because, you know, people are in many cases at home for long periods of time. And the way to reach them, you know, was not so much bombarding them with emails and and digital channels as much as it was putting something in their hands that they could touch and feel, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and it's it's funny you say that because one of the things that I, I, I just fascinating, the, the old old school is new school, right? And we'll go right to QR codes. When we talk about QR codes, virtually non-existent going into the pandemic or COVID. People didn't want to use them. They were ugly. Um, they were hard to use, I guess. You know, that's what we were told. Now you can't find really a direct mail piece of uh, signage, a newsletter, watch TV, QR, QR codes come up. So 
what we're seeing is resurgence of the tried and true methods that we know work. And, you know, it's been a really interesting time to learn about consumer behavior and how it works and what drives them to take action. And we know direct mail from a tactile standpoint, they get it in their hands, they feel it, they touch it. They might take action immediately. They might put it on a shelf. They might put it on a table. And a month later, two months later, they take action versus your digital channels, which are great channels when used correctly. But you also made a comment about we're innovative, right? So I forgot the exact figure, but I can tell you, we all know that we're bombarded with somewhere between five and 10,000 offers a day. Drive down the highway, billboard after billboard, you know, text messages, Facebook messages, LinkedIn, TikTok. You know, there's so many offers and messages that we are just overwhelmed. And it's very difficult to reach the consumer when you wake up. And I'll just speak for myself for a moment. I wake up at five o'clock every morning. First thing I do is check my emails. I would say if there's 20, 17 of them are junk mail at 5 a.m. You just go through, delete, delete, delete. I, I, and what we're also finding is we trust direct mail versus digital channels. And again, I'm not here to say digital channels don't work. They do work, but we just have to be conscious and cognizant of how to use them, right? And why, why do I say that? So let's just say we get an email from a trusted brand, somebody we do business with today, or maybe we don't. We're reluctant to hit that link because we're fearful of being spammed, right? It's happening at unprecedented rates. And they look so real. These guys are getting better every day. There, there, there are links and emails I get that I, I've literally looked at for a couple of minutes. I said, is this legit? Is this and you know, rather than take a risk, I delete it, which I think a lot of people do today. Yeah, that's true, I think. You know, but putting putting aside the the spam issues and the and the cybersecurity problems, you know, it's a timing issue. If you get an email it from is. some brand that you're thinking about buying, and the timing is just right, then you're going to look at it and you'll pay attention to it, right? Absolutely. But your, you made a great Absolutely. point earlier, right? Because the direct mail, um, if it's something that is on somebody's radar screen, but they're not able to act today, they're going to put it aside and come back to it, as opposed to an email that might get buried or deleted. Absolutely. You know, and that's what we're finding time and again, especially with those high ticket items. Right. I shared a story with you a while ago about a company that sells home water treatment systems. The starting price was forty two hundred dollars per system. When we started off with the client, they never did direct mail. didn't believe in it. It took a while to convince them. But what we did is we took a step back. Let's understand who, who you're targeting. What do your best clients look like, feel like? We built a predictive model so we could identify your best prospects, those that have a high propensity to buy based on their, what they look like versus your best, best, best customers. Built that predictive model. What we then did is we went to those zip codes within Florida to identify actual people that fit that model, and then we targeted them. And what was interesting, what we found out, is that because of this high ticket price on the on the system, the first 30 days, there was virtually no response, virtually no response. What we found is from 30 to, I think it was about 90 days, it started peaking and we saw a spike. I believe it was around 45 to 60 days. And what happened is that, to your point, the consumer got this direct mail piece. They engaged with it. They knew they needed this. They put it on their counter, the table, somewhere, 
So when they were ready to take action and ready to make that purchase, they had it and that's exactly what they did. They referenced it and they made their purchase. So we know that direct mail is not like a digital channel where it's deleted and it's gone. People take direct mail and they interact it on their timeline when they're ready to review, when they're ready to interact with it, when they're ready to take action. Yeah, and that just uh, proves the point you know, that uh, the direct mail has got staying power uh, because it's going it to last as long as people are willing to hold on to it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Think about when you go to, you know, anywhere, an office complex, there's there's catalogs, there's magazines, there's all kinds of direct mail type pieces sitting on the coffee table, right? Or the waiting area. Those things have a shelf life and it's a lot longer than a digital channel. No doubt. You know, that I mentioned before, and I know you believe it too, this idea of tactile sensation, you know, the touch using that sensory perception as a way to you know sell a brand um, is important I think you know and, and when I say tactile sensation I don't necessarily mean a complicated uh, you know a complicated raised print or embossing mm-hmm. that kind of thing but just the ability to sort of touch it and uh, appreciate it from your, with your eyes and your and your hands at the same time it really seems to make a difference absolutely it? absolutely as a matter of fact to your point, Several years ago, um, Sappy Paper, in conjunction with a a gentleman by the name of Dr. David Engelman, produced a seven-part series called The Neuroscience of Touch. It's absolutely fascinating. And if you haven't watched it, I highly encourage you and anybody that might be watching to check it out because it speaks to exactly what you just said. It doesn't actually have to be a raised UV, even though that works, we know it works, but once you get that piece in their hands, what happens is it elicits a feeling of value, right? Perceived value. So it doesn't necessarily have to have a texture on it or a grid or a raised UV. As a matter of fact, one of the most successful campaigns we ever executed was for a client where instead of a 60 pound, like a mat stock buck slip, we put a 24 pound, I'm sorry, 24 pound um, or 24 point rather board stock, same size as a buck slip. So when they got that piece in the mail, it was very firm. You could tell there was something in there and there was perceived value and it, it got the consumer to open the envelope. And what we what we know, what the client shared with us is they saw a 40% increase in response just by putting this 24 point board stock in the piece versus a 60 pound mat insert perceived value going back right. to exactly what you just spoke about yeah it's amazing you know that just a simple little addition which may not even cost so much it might cost a little more postage i guess but you know the the idea that you could do something as simple as that that says to a somebody who gets it in the mail hey this is important right Absolutely. You know, and those are the things that we see any sort of direct mail piece that asks the consumer to engage with it, whether it's a zip strip or a a tactile feel, which could be, for example, a burlap feel or a sand grit or anything or glitter. We had a project where, speaking of just looking at the piece, we did a piece for a telecommunications company where it was a two inch by two inch glitter, a raised UV glitter. 
And, and that that particular piece got uh, a 14 percent increase in response rate just by putting that little patch of glitter on the letter. It was, it's amazing. So when we understand the consumer in terms of once we get it in their hands, if there's something about it that makes them engage with that piece, we see response rates go up, conversion rates go up and, and of course, ROI. Right. And then what I also find fascinating about the uh, direct mail strategy, too, is that you know, you, when you're a printer, you're 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 trying to convince customers in many cases that hey, this is the right strategy for you. But we've seen and heard about cases where customers are are knocking down the door of the direct mail printer, like you guys, to say, hey, you really, I, I believe in it, but I got to justify it to somebody. So you know, how does that whole process work, and what's the conversation around that? Absolutely, and probably more now than ever, we have to demonstrate how direct mail. Uh, really drives action via the other channels, and I call it direct mail attribution, right? How do we help our consumers walk into the C-suite to say, here's how we know? Because what's happening is, especially your CFOs, the guys writing the checks, they're looking at these costs, print costs, postage costs, and they're, they're quite honestly, they, they can be some of the highest costs of, of any company, right? Specific to marketing. Now, and, and of course, compared to other channels, couple of things that are happening that we can help right away with is it's not necessarily always that last click attribution, meaning I got my direct mail piece and we see it all the time where a direct marketer may or may not use a QR code, a promo code, a pearl, something of that nature to track that direct mail piece back to the recipient, right? So that direct mail piece arrives, I'm interested, might sit there for a day or two, I hit Google and I Google whatever company or whatever offer. Well, in the C-suite's mind, I got that lead from somebody Googling off of Google, which is not mm -hmm. the case at all. So what we're seeing, going back to the QR codes, which have made this tremendous resurgence, right, which they were basically dead pre-pandemic, pre uh, they're everywhere. So with these QR codes, they're simple. You point your camera, go straight to the landing site, uh, take action. We can track that back to the individual into the promo because we know that that's a, pu a personalized QR code. So we know that particular QR code was on that direct mail piece for Frank or for Chris or whoever that person might be. Or even pearls are starting to make a resurgence as well. Personalized URLs hit that hit that link takes them right to that that landing site for that so we can track that back. So those are the kinds of strategies that we're seeing to help our clients really get the direct mail attribution and really at the end of the day, walk into the C-suite and say, here, let me show you how direct mail has driven the results and the conversions that we see here. And it's all the data and it's real. And the beauty about QR codes and these other channels and technologies, we can track that in real time. So we can see by the minute who's scanning, not only who's scanning, but physical lo location, where they're at, what kind of device, all of that information that is so useful for any marketer and really anybody cutting the check, the CFO, the C-suite, right? Exactly. But then is the is the value, well, maybe I should ask it a different way. There's certainly value in the direct mail side, but is there just as much value in the data that you collect from the direct mail? Absolutely. So what we're seeing too is obviously, so what's happening is we we, now we can now collect that data to say 
who uses this technology, who's responding. So now we have this list of high responders, right, specific to that particular offer or service. So absolutely. Then what we can do is because technology is at the point where we can identify folks that visit a website, maybe abandon a shopping cart or maybe abandon and things happen, right? Checking out the website. I don't know if you can hear it. My dog's barking right now. If I wasn't on with you right now, I'd go up and see what the heck he's doing, right? So I would have abandoned the website. But what we are able to do is identify those visitors, so unique visitors based on because we know who who scanned and who's on there, and we can retarget them. So we can generate a direct mail piece or another offer within a very short period of time, 24, 48 hours, to drive them back to take action and complete that the transaction, the shopping cart, the application, whatever the case might be. Is there any uh, theory about you know how uh, how soon you ought to retarget somebody? Or is it just, uh, is there a standard or is it just kind of depend on the product? That is an excellent question. Uh, and, and I think it varies by vertical market, by by company. And I, I was actually asked that very question today by a, a major insurance company today. How, how soon do we contact them? How much data we use? Because we don't want to come across as big brother watching every little click and move, right? Because that becomes a little bit creepy, right? Then you have the creepy factor. And I think most of us don't like to do business with companies that are following our every single, even though we are, we all know that all this information is out there, all this activity is out there, but I don't think it's wise to use it in such a way that, hey, I saw you were just on my website. What can I do for you? You know, so it's 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 a delicate balance. It truly is. But what we're seeing is most of our clients. So let's say you hit the website. We have clients where we'll get a download. And let's say it's at midnight. It could be daily. That next day, it goes into production. It's in the mail within 48 hours. By the time it reaches them, you're talking about a week later. So there is some time there based on process, but we're in that mail pretty quick. You know, 24, 48 hours, depending on how you mail, first class, marketing mail. It's back in the recipient's hand within, call it a week to 10 days, right? Right. You know, the other thing about direct mail that I think is really fascinating is, not only the I mean, the connection to the tech side is really fascinating on its own, but it, when you walk around your print shop or shops like yours, it, you can't believe the process that goes into it. You guys make it look easy and you make it look simple, but it's actually fairly complex, no? It's very complex. Um, hence, I used to have hair before I got into this direct mail business, you know, it's a little bit complex, a little bit stressful, but it's it's really, well, you know. for those that can't see I the video, because it'll be a voice thing, you'll, uh, you would see that uh, Frank has no hair left at all. So he's had a lot of stress. A lot of stress, a lot of stress. But, you know, uh, we used to do, uh, pre-pandemic, we used to do what we call American Lithuanian University, which was extremely successful. And so what we would do is for those clients that we've been working with or prospects that we had been working with for quite some time, we try to talk about how we produce their direct mail piece. You know, why it takes so much time, cost, of course, you know, how, why time and money it always comes back to time and money. So we would talk about how we would manufacture. They didn't quite get it. But once we brought them into the facility for two days and, you know, based on the audience, we would we would have breakout sessions. We would have a print 101, direct mail 101, mailing 101, letter shop, et cetera, et cetera. But a big part of those two days is to get them on the floor for a lot of time. In some cases, an hour, uh, hour, hour and a half the first day, same the next day. 
And I can remember my clients looking at these presses and going, it makes sense. I, I now understand why you can or cannot do the things that my marketing team, our production team is asked to do, because it's very complex. You know, when you think about a direct mail piece, before we've even touched it, before we received art or data, that's months in planning, right? Months in planning by the customer to, to dial in what's their creative, what's their offer, what's that format. So by the time we get it, now it's we've got to get our paper, we've got to do our sign-offs, we've got to do our proofing, we have to print, we have to insert in some cases. So it takes months and months and months of planning, strategic planning, before you or I ever get that piece in the mail. And that's that's how critical and that's that's how important it is to make sure that we're doing it right. You know, in the old school direct mail, it really breaks down to list, offer, and creative, right? So you've got to make sure that those three things are in a line. And when, and when we talk even today, probably even more important than anything is the list, right? Who am I targeting? Why am I targeting? Because the days of direct mail where it was a shotgun approach have drastically changed with personalization and technology. We, we all should be taking that rightful approach. We need to make sure that we're targeting the right folks. And more importantly, that that message is specific to that recipient based on their buying habits, based on their demographics, geographics, psychographics, et cetera. So we have to really use the data in a much more sophisticated way, right? And cleanse data too. It's not just that you want it to go yes. to whoever might be living at that particular address. It's you want it to get to, to Frank or Chris, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Which, you know, list hygiene is, is, is it's critical, critical. Uh, we got to make sure that the, the list is clean from an NCUA standpoint, make sure that those people still live there. We've got to make sure that, you know, for if, if we're using demographics or graphics for, you know, I use this example this morning because this particular insurance company targets uh, seniors. You would not want to use millennials, right, in any of your graphics. So you have to make sure that everything aligns with your audience, targeted relevant messaging. Well, speaking of millennials, they uh, and and when I when I'm thinking of millennials, I'm also thinking about the generation probably behind them. You know, the kids that are in their teens up through their 20s, up to maybe 30 years old or so. I'm not sure if that's the mm -hmm. official definition, but I'm, that's what I'm thinking of for today's discussion right. anyway. You know, and and they seem harder and harder to impress. Um, no matter whether you're dealing with what we do as lawyers and trying to help them start businesses, or whether you're trying to market to them. Um, and it's hard to figure out what gets them excited, but what I've heard about it in the, in the market, uh, it, and maybe there's some element of the pandemic that has a part in it, but they're also excited about getting stuff in the mail. And but marketing to them is probably a lot different in terms of presentation and feel and touch than it would be to the senior example that you just had. So, what's your, you know, maybe are you seeing anything? Maybe colleges, universities, and and how they're marketing to to draw people into their colleges. Absolutely. So, you know, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that. We actually have um, an agency that is specific to colleges and universities. They've been strictly a digital agency up until this point. They recognize that direct mail drives action, right? So as a matter of fact, I'll be on a phone call with them or a Zoom call with them tomorrow. 
And his message to me was, Frank, I know I need to incorporate direct mail into the marketing mix. So we had a similar conversation about how does direct mail, how do I track it back? How do I generate leads, right? So I would say more, if there's any generation that lives and breathes on the web or the internet, it's it's those millennials and youngers, right? But how do we get them there? Send them a direct mail piece that is relevant to their interests, you know, whatever that might be. So. I have three daughters in the home and uh, good and bad, right? <laughs> so what I what I see is is pieces coming to the house all the time. Direct mail piece. Matter of fact, I got home a little bit early today. I wish I would have taken a picture just to show you what my porch looked like. I bet there's 20 packages out there with every one of my kids' names on them. So it works. So we know that those younger folks they, they love direct mail. Going back to early, no matter your age, we like to feel things that are cool, right? There's that perception of value. If it's talking to me, even now it's now it's that endowment effect. There's more value because it's 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 mine. It's talking mm-hmm. to me. And from a college and university space, we know that when people are young people are considering going to a college university, when they get a direct mail piece, and now I've been through it three times now. In that pre pre um, application process, the amount of mail that I saw come to my house for each one of my kids to get get their attention so that they would apply at this school or that school, I, I wish I would have kept it all. Would have filled the room I'm in right now. That's how much mail. But it was generic. It wasn't specific to the individual. It wasn't it? Did, there was no messaging on it other than you know check us out basically. You know very generic direct mail piece. So. So to your point, I think the younger generation, they want to be spoken to as we know who they are, just like we do, right? We want, we get a direct right. mail piece. We want to know this is meant for me. It's 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 mine. They want me, right? So it's going to be a very interesting conversation. And in that vertical, I'm very excited about building a direct mail program for this agency to help them implement and, and really execute on across a bunch of universities and colleges across, across the country. But it's not just that vertical market. Uh, just last was it? Yes. Just last week, I had another gentleman. He's the CEO of a personal loan or debt consolidation company reach out to me purely digital at this point. He knows that he needs to incorporate direct mail into his marketing campaigns as well. So we know across all channels it works we just know it works direct mail might be the most expensive channel quite honestly but it's got the greatest roi do you also see uh, direct mail having a role in terms of uh closing a deal as opposed to just opening a door i was just thinking of the universities and colleges where you know everybody worries that you know a college is competitive it's going to be difficult to get into um, and so as a result, at least when I, my kids applied a few years ago, you know, we applied to a lot of schools, right? And so, cause you're worried yeah. about the competition, but then when they, when they get into multiple schools, it seems to me, if I'm thinking of like a marketer at the college, that that's where the marketing campaign really needs to start, at least in a secondary way in order to attract these people to accept, right? Ab- a- absolutely. And I go back to personalization, right? So when that direct mail piece arrives and it talks to that recipient, whether millennial or uh, Gen Z, Gen X, what have you, uh, boomer, as they call them, right? You know, no matter who it is, if that if that personalization speaks to the individual, 
we'll always see a greater response and a greater conversion rate. So I absolutely believe that direct mail, I'm not going to tell you closes the deal, if you will, but it certainly sets that person on the path a little bit farther along, in my opinion. So, you know, that's an interesting question, too, because I get that a lot. And I, I remember working on a program for an aftermarket warranty, uh, a car company. And it was very interesting. And, and, and what we ended up doing is we ended up dialing this in. So their call to action was to drive the recipient to a call center, right? So to be effective, a direct mail piece gets them to make that call. But if you don't staff that call center appropriately based on when that mail's hitting, you have too many calls. I don't have enough people to pick up the phone, salespeople to pick up the phone. That's a wasted effort. Um, too few calls and I'm overstaffed. Now I have a, a huge cost of all those people just sitting there with no calls coming in. So I would say that all, regardless of the channel, direct mail, call center, direct mail, web, direct mail, brick and mortar, you got to make sure that everybody's aligned and understands what's the message and what what's really what's the vision. What are we doing with this marketing channel to make sure that we execute when that direct mail is hitting, when it's going in home, right? When it hits the mailbox, that in-home window. Does that make For sense sure. to you? Oh, 100%. Because in it, you know the it's about capacity and about um, understanding the right call of a call to action, so that yeah. Um, you you sort of start the experience with the mail or and then the call to action has to follow in the appropriate way or else to your point it's a wasted effort and you you've lost that customer probably because they're disappointed a absolutely you know and, and, and it's really an interesting thing because and I, I go back to your question about how complicated direct mail is just the printing process alone to make sure we drop We've got to count on the USPS to make sure that they uphold their standards and they, they deliver. But think about, you know, I've been doing this 30 years now. <laughs> Floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, trail, uh, train derailments, semi goes off the road, fire. There's all of these variables that we have no control over that impact marketing, right? Or direct mail. So, so it's very interesting to see what happens when we have an event like that, we pull the mail back, we stage the mail, you know, things things like that. We do what we can, right, to make sure that that's not a wasted effort. Right. But, you know, the you, you talk about the, uh, you know, the print room where you're actually producing the uh, producing the product and that and you were mentioning your university program. And I think uh, that's maybe the coolest thing. If you if you like watching yeah. machines work and how they you know, like those shows about, you know, how they made it or how it got, you know, how things got made. It's pretty wild to watch uh, yeah. huge rolls of paper on one end uh, go through a system, you know, thousands of impressions in a minute and and be on the other side, you know, multicolor, uh, coded, folded, cut, stapled, glued, whatever, and addressed, whatever it is. And uh, in one sort of process, it's Absolutely. pretty amazing. I, I still get a kick out of it. As a matter of fact, I walk I, I walk the press room floor every single day because I just I'm interested. I like to see what jobs are out there. And you know, when you go back to the end of the press and you've got this big 38 inch roll of paper, big white roll of paper that weighs two three thousand pounds, and it's printed, it's variable imaged, it's cut, it's die cut, it's perfed, it's a card, and it comes out at the other end of that press. It's complete printed, image finished, 
coming off the press in zip code sequence where those handlers take that mail and put it right into the mail mail tray and then it's out the door. So it's fascinating to watch that, but it's also a little bit, holy cow, all these things have to go right for me to execute because there's a lot of moving parts, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and then and one of the things we hear about and from our clients in the space, too, is cybersecurity concerns. You know, you're handling a lot of important data, right? Uh, your customers, customers. Absolutely. Yeah, so what is that uh, top of mind? I'm sure it must be top of mind, but is that a concern or on your radar screen all the time as well? It, it is probably one of the biggest concerns that we have on a daily basis, right? Our company, companies like us in our space, it's happening and it's happening more frequently where companies like ourselves are getting hacked. And what we've seen is they've actually shut them down. It's like ransomware, you know, pay a ransom or we don't turn things back on. And unfortunately, it's happened to some really good companies. We take that extremely serious because it just continues to happen. And these these how do I say it? These these um, these spams, they're getting so sophisticated. So I can only speak for the company I work at, American Electric. We're tested all the time. We have to take tests monthly. We get spam tests all the time. And we know when somebody fails, everybody knows who that person was. And gosh, why didn't you take that extra second, right? And not click on that link. So there are certain certifications that uh, a reputable printer Direct in the direct mail space, you just have to have SOC 2 type 2 certification. You can take that all the way up to high trust for your for your um, health care insurance, HIPAA compliance. All of these things are critically important. You know, at the end of the day, yes, we do print, but it really is all about the data. What are we doing with that data? How are we using that data? We have to make sure that we're compliant with not only how we receive the data, how we store the data, how we use the data, and then, quite honestly, how we destroy that data once we've used it for that particular mail. Sure. Well, there's, uh, it, it's pretty clear to me why you're, uh, why you lost your hair, because you got a lot going on in that process. But you guys are doing a, you guys are doing a yeomans job to get it done for sure. We're trying. I, we are trying. You know, I didn't want to finish our conversation. I, I could go all day long, and I'm sure uh, people would uh, click off at some point um, because we're going too long. But I think what you're doing is great. And uh, but I don't I didn't want to end without giving you credit for what I thought was a pretty cool term you used, uh, interactive uh, direct mail, um, because that's exactly what we're talking about. But I you might have meant interactive yeah. in terms of connection to the digital channels, right? Yeah, I did. That's exactly yeah. what I meant. And, and really we, what I meant by that is using direct mail in conjunction with your digital channels, right? I really, truly believe for a successful campaign, you've got to incorporate all channels. I'm not a, you know, I'm not biased and, and to tell you the only channel is direct mail. I don't believe that. I do believe that direct mail is the driving force behind all of these other channels. And you must integrate email and digital display and SMS and all of these things for an effective direct mail or effective direct marketing campaign, really. Yeah. But you can, uh, just to sum it up, I you know the the interactive side that is you know, the interaction of of the people that are getting your mail. Um, that interaction uh, really starts the other half of the inter interaction. So you're you're really creating that closed loop, which I think is amazing. So nice job. 
Well, I hope. Uh, and, I hope and that's really what we call our custom. Yep. Go ahead. I didn't want to interrupt you, Frank. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Chris. That I, that that really sums up the customer journey, right? You know, how, how do we help our clients identify and then take those folks through the customer journey, the complete journey, meaning that they've made a transaction, they've applied for a card, they've gone to a brick and mortar, they've made the call, whatever that call to action is, that truly is our objective. No doubt. Well, you know, I hope the folks that listen to this got got a little bit more excitement about direct mail and they stop calling it junk mail when they get it in the uh, in their mailboxes for sure. Because, yeah, if not, if you didn't walk away with anything else from listening to this conversation, uh, you should know that it's uh, there's a lot of technology, a lot of, you know, you may not think print is so sexy, but it definitely is when you consider everything that goes into it. And uh, it's really almost a it's almost a piece of art by the time it's done. So. Nice job on on helping uh, your clients through that important customer journey for sure. Thank you, Chris. Real pleasure. Had a had a great time. Had a lot of fun talking to you today. Me too. So hang out with me for a few minutes, but we'll sign off for purposes of the podcast. And again, this is Chris Santamassimo with Frank Aristegui from American Litho in Carroll Stream, Illinois. So check him out on the web and uh, have a conversation with Frank about that customer journey. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it very much.